So I'm going to do a really short, hopefully really short message. And we're going to look at Isaiah 35, if you want to turn your Bibles there um, to help you get there. So we've been in this uh, kind of an Advent series, and I've been using a lot of Greek words because it makes me sound smart, and they're really fun to say. And it makes you sound smart when you're in a party conversation and you whip out a Greek word, right? So we're going to do something a little crazy today. Whenever I was in college or in seminary, the thing that everybody hated the most was when the professor would walk in to the room and say, pull out a sheet of paper, everybody. It's time for a pop quiz. Moan. So today, everybody pull out a sheet of paper. It's time for a pop quiz. I've always wanted to say that. So we're going to have a pop quiz, and here it is. Here's our Advent Greek word pop quiz. I don't expect you guys to remember these, but I want you to understand kind of what's behind some of these things. So on the right, left-hand side, we have several of the words we've already used and a couple we have not yet because we're going to do one today. And then over here is the answers. So I will read them out. Paramenio is number one. Second is apokadapo. <laughs> that was really so hard to say. I practice over and over, too. Apocadokia. Apocadokia. We'll go with apocadokia. Pleurosis, canupadupadosis, and kenosis. Okay, and here's our possible answers. Filled up, emptied out, a fake magic word uh, you probably could add from Harry Potter, and then anticipating and waiting. I'll give you a few seconds. Write down what you think your answers are. Kids, you can do this, too. What do you think your answers are? Paramenio, uh, Paramenio. Apocardokia, pleurosis, canupadupiosis, and kenosis. You guys are going to remember these, aren't you? Canupadupiosis and apocardokia. All right, so you guys got your answers? All right, so let's see. Well, shout out, we'll shout out your answer. For number one, paramedio, who knows what it is? Answer one. Give me, give me an answer. D, anticipating, is not correct. Is not correct. What do you got? It's waiting. Paramenio is waiting. E, yes, last week's answer. I would give you something, but I have nothing. Jan, would you give him a hug later? Okay. The, the prize for getting the answers right is a hug from Jan. Everybody's like, I'm not answering now. Okay. Number two, apokaradokia. Apokaradokia. There it is. Apokaradokia. Uh, does anybody know what that one is? Give a guess. Okay, wait. Right, D? D, waiting is wrong because waiting is paramenio. D, anticipating. D is correct. You get a hug from Jan. I just wanted to like, hand those out. You get a hug from Jan, and you get a hug. Okay. C, uh, three, pleurosis. Does anybody know pleurosis? C. A, filled up. Correct. Four, canupadupiosis. C is correct. A fake magic word, and five, kenosis is emptying. Excellent. Good job. And we can put the answers up there. There you go. Paramenio is waiting despite obstacles. Ap Apokaradokia is anticipating. We're going to talk about that in a second. Pleurosis is completely filled up. That's like overflowed filling up. Canupadupiosis is a word that I made up. I even Google searched it, and they said, what the heck are you asking me? It is a fake magic word. It will do nothing for you, but it's probably the one you will all remember, right? You will go home and be like, canupadupiosis. Uh, just tell, so, so, tell your kids sometime, right? Because they ask, mommy, can I have a... Yeah, canupadupiosis. 
see what happens. Uh, kenosis is emptying or pouring out. So that's our Greek word. You guys are so smart. Do you feel smarter now? I can feel your brains like vibrating with learning all this smart stuff. So, you know, Greek words are Greek words. It's not even our language, but it's the language of the New Testament. And when the New Testament uses a word in English, sometimes it's, it falls a little short. It doesn't quite capture the whole meaning of it. So when the Bible says that Jesus emptied himself, you know, that kind of, kind of sounds, it's, it's, it's hollow, it's, it's small. But when you look at the Greek word and it says that Jesus like completely poured out everything that he is so that the, the pitcher was completely empty and dry and there was nothing left inside, we understand the depths of what Jesus did. When we talk about feeling empty inside, we know that that's what we're talking about, but then when God fills us, that it's not just, you know, filled up, like getting a cup of orange juice and you get just a little bit because it's expensive, or a cup of water, which you maybe fill to the top. It's about filling to overflowing and past capacity and beyond. When we talk about waiting, we're talking about waiting past obstacles. Like, no matter what gets in our way, we, we stay and we wait and we watch and we hope and that's the kind of waiting that the Bible calls us to. And then I wanted to use this word, anticipation, which is apo, apokaradokia, which is really hard to say. But it's not just anticipating. This word of anticipation that we use, we kind of think about waiting for something good. But this is about waiting and longing and hoping. I think we got that. It's like straining forward toward, eagerly looking forward to. And the imagery that's behind it is the imagery of a, a runner. You guys have watched the Olympics. And these people, they run in circles for a very long time in the Olympics, which is why it's an Olympic sport. It's not the athleticism. It's the sheer patience of going in a circle for all the, those hours. And they get to that last little bit, and they start leaning forward. And as they come to that finish line, you guys know that tape? They lean out, and some of them like almost even jump and they reach and they stretch or if a horse is racing his neck reaches out and strains that's what we're talking about that's anticipation it's not just waiting we talked about last week waiting but there's a quality to the waiting it's not waiting in line at the DMV it's waiting and straining and stretching and longing for this thing to come Christians in the in the Advent season are called to empty themselves out so they can be filled by God, to wait patiently for the promises, but not just to wait, to anticipate, to long for, to stretch for, to move toward. So we do this all the time, just not in church. We anticipate a vacation, right? We're really good at kids. Summer break is coming, right? You already have it on the calendar. I got their attention. They're like, oh, summer break? Yeah, so like, we got Christmas break coming first, but you, you're thinking summer break, and parents have got it on their calendar, and they've started planning trips, they've started planning camping outings. You know, even now, you have to start booking your camping trips, like in, in August for next June, because everybody wants to go. So we have to think ahead, we have to plan, we get the gear, and we start imagining it and dreaming it out. We wait for summer break, knowing that there's this date on the calendar. We tick off the weeks. We watching the snow come and the snow go and the snow come back again. And the snow stays and stays and stays and stays. And then suddenly we get like summer in August and then it snows again. And we're going, when is summer coming? We're anticipating this good thing coming. Christmas is filled with anticipation, isn't it? 
both culturally and biblically. Like, there's this sense in the world. You just go to the grocery store, you go to the mall, you go to Amazon. I don't know why Amazon does this too, but you get this sense of anticipation. That's why Christmas gifts are coming out in, in October now, right? You guys have seen that, like the witch and the, and the turkey are like, Santa, stay in your lane. And he's like, no, because we're all anticipating Christmas. We're straining and longing for it. We're reaching for it. So we get our gifts early. We get our, our lights early. And then Christmas morning, you know, the, the weeks coming up to Christmas, the two longest weeks of the year, the weeks of school and tests and finals, and the weeks of preparing and wrapping and getting all these things ready and waiting. And then we still have to wait through Christmas Eve. You know, this is... This is biblical, guys. We need to wait through Christmas Eve to open those gifts till Christmas morning when Jesus is born. And we wait and we anticipate. Parents, we make sure that everything is just right. We make the cookies. We go to the parties. We go to concerts. We put on ugly sweaters. We anticipate Christmas morning. And the holiday just keeps growing because we can't wait. People are putting up Christmas trees in October and November now. Parents dutifully make their kids wait till Christmas morning until at least 7 a.m. so that they can open those gifts. And the kids are just anticipating, longing, chomping at the bit, tearing up their sheets, just ready to go. I can't go to sleep because I want Christmas. So what do we do when we're actually anticipating something? I think we do three things. We excitedly plan and prepare. We experience an increasing longing in our hearts. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and we want more and more and more. And then we imagine what it's going to be like when that day comes. I can think of every vacation I've ever had. We plan, we figure out where we're going, how we're going to get there, what hotel we're going to stay at, what, what places we're going to go to. We get all the planning details together, and then we sit and wait. And the longer we wait, the more I'm ready to go. It's like one more day till vacation, one more day till that trip. And then I begin to imagine what it's going to be like when I get there. Imagine what it's going to be like to put my toes in that sand, right? Imagine what it's like to sit in that ocean water. What it's going to be like to have the tropical breeze come across. You can just kind of, everybody's imagining it right now because it's going to be below zero this week. So it's the perfect illustration. We imagine it. And this is what we are called to as followers of Jesus in the Advent season, to anticipate the things to come to long for those things to come, to plan for those things to come, to organize our life so that we're ready. Isaiah 35, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10, but we're going to read chunks of it real quick. This is uh, Isaiah, who was a prophet in the days of old when Israel had fallen away from God and had just utter destruction. And God speaks to him and says, look, this is what's to come. People of Israel need to long for this and to anticipate this because I've promised it and I'm going to do it. And it's about sending Jesus, the Messiah, to come and rescue them and what it's going to be like when that happens. And Jesus does come. That promise is fulfilled, but Jesus promises to come again. And so now we sit in a second waiting, a second anticipating. And here's what it says. Isaiah 35, and I'll read 1 and 2. I'm going to read them just kind of in chunks and go right through it. First it says this, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus, and it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and shouting. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Now, the last part doesn't make a lot of sense to us because we're not from the land of Israel. We don't know Lebanon other than maybe the wars in the 80s and 90s and 2000s and 
2010s. It's a constant war over in that area. We don't know Carmel and Sharon, but we understand the Sahara Desert. We understand the Sonoran Desert in Mexico and, and uh, Arizona. We understand desolate places, right? Places where there's no, no, no trees, there's no plants. It's just sand and dirt for miles. And God speaks to the people of Israel and says, look, it looks like the desert right now in your life, in your world. For the people of Israel, it is, it is dry and barren and bad. But guess what? When I come, the desert will bloom. And he gives him this image. We give him a picture. It's a picture right after this. Here he goes. The desert will bloom. The places that looked utterly destroyed are going to bring new life. I grew up in Arizona for a couple of years when I was little, and it would be like this. It would be dead dry. Everything is just all the leaves have fallen off, everything, everything's crispy, you walk on the ground, it crunches, and then suddenly it rains, just pours rain, and the streets are flooding, and the culverts are flooding, and the parking lots are flooding, and they can't hold all the water. The dry riverbeds just turn to mud, and then a wall of mud, and then to clear water after like 15 minutes, it just sweeps everything away, because so much water comes in, and suddenly the desert burst to life. That's how David Attenborough would say it. The desert burst to life. And it comes to life, and there's flowers and birds, and suddenly everything that was dead has come to life again. And God says to us who are anticipating his coming, long for that. Stretch your neck out for it. Reach for it, because it's coming to you. Anticipate the desert coming to life. But it's not just new life coming to us. He goes further. Verses 5 and 6 says this, And then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf shall be opened. Then the lame shall leap like deer, and the tongue or the mouth of the speechless will sing for joy. For water shall break forth from the wilderness and streams in the dry desert. Our book group uh, just read a book called about uh, disability injustice. And one of the assertions in the book was that the church should stop talking about uh, being blind or lame or deaf because it, it's rude to people who are blind or lame or deaf to use them as an example. This scripture is not an example. It's literal. God says literally those who are blind, those who are deaf, those who are speechless, those who are lame, when I come, will shout for joy, will leap for joy, will see and will hear. And when Jesus came, he came healing. And the sight of the blind was restored, the, the hearing of the deaf was restored, people who had never walked were suddenly walking, and they were all praising God. When we are waiting for the second coming of Christ, this is what we are waiting for. And can you imagine a child like this pictures, these pictures up here? A child who was born without a leg, a boy born blind. The anticipation that they would have that someday maybe they would be able to see, that maybe they'd be able to walk, maybe they'd be able to hear. The anticipation of that is what we are called to. That every brokenness, every sorrow, every pain, every hurt, everything that is wrong in this world will be restored and made right in the presence of God. We talked about this last week, right? We can all agree, no matter what we think about religion, things are not as they should be. They are way from good. And God is up here saying, look, I am coming into the midst of this and restoring it all. And we anticipate that. We anticipate his coming. And then lastly, he says this in Isaiah, verse 8, a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. It's a terrible name for a highway, but it's called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, and it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. 
How many of you guys know that following God isn't always very straightforward? It's not always easy to know which way to go. But there's going to be this, this way, this highway, suddenly following God, coming and being in God's presence, serving the Lord, giving him our hearts, knowing which is right and which is wrong. All of these things will become easy and straightforward. Even those of us who are really foolish and dumb, like myself, who have a thick head and a hard time figuring things out sometimes, it'll be easy for us. And then he says this in verse 10, and the ransomed of the Lord, that's those of us who have turned to him, they shall come to Zion singing. Everlasting joy shall be in their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. It shall flee away. It's utopia. It seems like a pipe dream. It seems like this thing that could never possibly happen because things are so far from what they should be. And yet, the promise of Scripture over and over and again is not that we can make it right or that we can reach it or we can obtain it or we can make it happen. Like every other religion in the world says, this is how you do things in order to make the world right. God says, no, I'm coming into it. And when I come, the pathway will be easy. The sick will be healed. The desert will bloom. And everything will be made right. And us Christians now thousands of years later, are the, the remnant of people left to long and hope and anticipate this coming, this healing, this restoration. So as we sit in our houses on Christmas Eve, as we wait for school to end, as we, as we watch the days tick past and waiting for December 25th, next Sunday, one week from today, imagining where we're going to be, eating our cinnamon rolls, sitting in our bathrobes, watching the kids open presents. That anticipation we feel is just a glimpse of the anticipation that we are called to for the day that Christ returns. And it teaches us to wait and to long and to anticipate. I want to read a poem to you to close. It's a very short poem. And it's a poem of anticipation and longing, but it's also a poem of imagination. It's by a man named Wendell Berry, who's a farmer, a farmer poet. And he's a poet laureate, an American poet from Kentucky. And he, he lived on one piece of land his whole life. He's still, he's still living. He plans to die in the house that he was born in. It's a completely different perspective. I'd get really bored with that. But he felt called to love this space. And he has a barn out back, and he would have to travel out to that barn no matter what time of year to go feed the animals. And he walked out to the barn one day, and God really just impressed on his heart this poem, and he went back into the house and wrote it down. And here's what he had to say. Remembering that it happened once, we cannot turn away our thought as we go out cold to our barns, toward the long night's end that we ourselves are living in the world that it happened in when it first happened, that we ourselves opening a stall a latch that we've thrown a thousand times before might find them sitting there. The child bedded in straw, the mother kneeling over him, the husband standing in belief that he can hardly believe himself, all in light that appears from no source that we see. We stand with one hand on our door, looking into another world, a world that is our world, our own white frozen breath in front of us, and here we are, as we have never been before, sighted as not before, our place holy, though we knew it not.
We anticipate the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ, but every day that we walk, every day that we live, we anticipate his coming in every moment because where we walk is holy ground and God comes to us again and again and again and we fail to see him. And so our prayer is, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Open our eyes to see you as you come. Open our ears to hear you as you come. And help us to anticipate and to strain and to long and to reach for that day. And to live in that anticipation every day. Would you stand with me? We're going to close by singing the doxology. The kids have been anticipating me stopping talking. And they're going to anticipate the hot chocolate bar that we have to celebrate your good work. You guys did awesome today. If you heard nothing else today, hear this, that God loves you so much that he didn't want to leave you in this world as things are, but he is coming to you, and he has come for you, and we love you too. Would you sing the doxology with me? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Go in the grace of our Lord to anticipate His coming and to have hot chocolate. We'll see you guys Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock, right here. Merry Christmas, everybody.